0: Hey, everybody, welcome to Busy Living Soba. Busy Living Soba. Busy Living Soba. It's episode (laughs) 273. And I told everybody who was listening last week on Thanksgiving, or that was two weeks ago, because I took off last week because kids were here. But I told them that I was very excited about my guest. And I truly am so excited to have you here. And we're going to, hi, Becky say hi to
1: Becky
0: everybody hi everyone and um Becky is a very dear friend of mine I've known her for my entire sobriety
1: Mm -hmm. I remember when you came in it was my birthday
0: it was your birthday can you Mm -hmm. believe that on August 14th Mm -hmm. 2006 and here we are 15 years later and one of the reasons I wanted to ask you to come on Busy Living Show, for one, you're like one of my biggest cheerleaders. So I wanted you on for that. For two, you're a mom mm-hmm. and you have little kids mm-hmm. and we're about to go into the holiday season. Like we just kicked it off. Luckily, I got to spend Thanksgiving with Becky in my home, yes. her family. My family it was really, really fun. Such a blessing the way it all turned out. Yep. It's God too, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because you had no 100%. idea. You thought you were going someplace else. Yeah. And then my daughter went to school
1: on Monday. And they go around and say, What did you do for Thanksgiving? And she's like, I went to Busy's. <laughs> <laughs> so that was cute.
0: Yes. Well, it's so funny because I think that if we didn't have our sobriety, would we have the relationships we have with our spouses and with our children like we do today?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I for one definitely would
0: not. Yeah, definitely not. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because so you've been, you got sober at a really young age.
1: I did. I got sober um, two weeks before I turned 21. So yeah. So I've been sober for um, 21 years.
0: 21 years.
1: Yes. Yes. 72799. Um,
0: 72799
1: is yeah 21 right or 22 21
0: 20, 21 yeah or 22 yeah. no 21. Mm-hmm. 21 yeah because
1: you know what I remember when you sent me a chip and it was for 22 yes and so then you sent me a pink sparkly one which was is my is the best and that was 21
0: yeah so I guess, what what was it like because I, I don't want to focus too much on it but just so people can relate while they're listening it's like what mm-hmm. was it like when at at 20 getting sober um and what brought you to that so what brought me to that was
1: um you know growing up I mean I always um more and more and more of everything so I grew up and it started actually um I was very uh overweight as a child starting in kindergarten and it just got progressively worse. And, um, you know, so it started to, I just felt different. I felt separate. I felt, I I isolated myself because in order to um, be at the weight that I was, I had to secretly eat. Um, So I isolated myself. I was a liar. I lied because, you know, people would ask me like, where's this food? and I would just make stuff up, you know, my family and stuff. So, you know, that was from like kindergarten till, um, you know, ninth grade, going into ninth grade, I went to an all-girls school and I was, you know, very heavy and just in elementary school, I fit in because I was the class clown. I would make everybody laugh all the time, all the time. Um, but I was hiding, I was hiding. So I think it all started with, I just, um, I didn't love myself. I wasn't taught to love myself. I felt, this is how I felt. I felt that there was like an image that I had to live up to. And no matter what I did, I couldn't do it. It wasn't who I, you know, I just couldn't do it. So that brought up all of these feelings of, um, I'm less than, I'm not enough. I didn't know this at the time, but looking back, I've always felt that way. I've always felt that way. Um, I always felt that I had to fit this mold. And I hear that quite often. In Alcoholics Anonymous, and that's truly how it was. I felt like I had to fit it, and you know, with all of um, with all of my might, I tried, and I couldn't. So going into high school, you know, I picked up one drink, and I was off to the races. I just remember my first um, in ninth grade. I, you know, I got drunk and got kicked out of a mixer, um, but like I just couldn't stop. I could never stop, and that that. Was parallel with my eating, which actually um, escalated quite quickly. So I went from being, you know, a straight A student to, you know, my parents getting called into school because I was doing so poorly. Because on the inside, um, you know, I was a, I was very sad and I couldn't tell anybody that, and I was very scared and I couldn't tell anybody that, and um, I always felt not enough and I couldn't tell anybody that. So I was always trying to keep up and knowing that I couldn't keep up. I would isolate and hurt myself. So going into um, so of put the drinking, if you put something in front of me and said, Becky, this is going to make you feel good. I wouldn't even ask you what it was. I would just be like, okay, let's do it. And it just never, once I started, I could not stop. Um, and that created that like phenomenon of craving as well. Like I was always looking for more, more more more. So I went to college and um you know, looking back as well, my decision to go to college was just, you know, yeah, sounds great. Let's go here. Like I didn't do any, I didn't know anything about the school, nothing. I just went, I was very impulsive, which is another, um, I think characteristic of my disease. Like I never think things through. It's just like, is this good? You know, I, I didn't want to work hard. Um, I was just like, always took the easy way out so I can get to the drink, the drugs and the eating and, you know, feel better. So I went to college and, um, I remember my, I remember my mom and my brother and my sister dropped me off because my dad was away. And I remember them dropping me off. And I was sitting in the stairwell and I just cried by myself. I remember that vividly. I was just crying. And I didn't have anybody to say, you know, can I have a hug? Or I'm so scared or I'm so sad or something's wrong. Something's missing. And I don't know um, how to get help. I don't know. And, um, you know, I never had that growing up, you know, no fault to my parents. They did the best that they could, but whenever I was feeling so sad, I didn't have anybody to say, Becky, it's okay. It's okay. I love you. Um, they loved me and they love me, but I never, um, I never was myself. I was always just trying to be who I think they wanted me to be. So that made me feel so alone. But I remember them dropping me off and just bawling my eyes out. And I never asked for help. I just went right upstairs, started smoking, started drinking. And that night I remember this, I went out and made a fool of myself completely was passed out, blacked out, drunk. Don't know what the heck I did, but woke up the next day and realized that I you know, decided to go to a really small school. I didn't know how small it was until the next day when I was like, oh my God, I saw all these people. They were telling me what I did. And it was the same people that I would see all the time. It was not a huge campus with a lot of people. So I made a name for myself quite quickly, Um, and so how I got to rehab was um, uh, again, the eating progressed, the eating and the drinking, both hand in hand. I would uh, go out, get drunk, get high, do anything, Um, always blacked out, always, Um, never knew what I did, but I would always wake up with like food all over me and not knowing what I did. I would wake up on the bathroom floor because I'm bulimic, not knowing how I got there, um so this was progressing so um my freshman year going into my sophomore year of college um I went to my second treatment center for bulimia it was so bad um I was I remember I had a nanny job going into my sophomore year and oh no pardon me, I went to yes this is right I had a nanny job and I stole all the food from the the family. I would just sit there. I had to watch these two boys and I would just steal all the food from their home and lie to their mom because she she assumed it was her boys. And I was like, well, I don't know. I think so. It was all this lying, always hiding, always hiding. Um, So there was another intervention. I had several interventions burn up. That's just another thing to note because things were just bad. And I would always talk them out of it. I'm good, just give me another chance thinking I could self-will things, I'm good. And then I would be good for like two days and I'd be like, see, I'm good. And then pick up where I left off and and continue to progress. Um, That's another thing too. I was on academic probation my freshman year. And again, I was like a straight A student, academic probation Mm -hmm. almost kicked out, never went to class, never. But going into my sophomore year, uh, my mom called me one day when I was at work and said, I found this place in Colorado um, and eating Georgia an addiction facility. So I was like, I went, I knew, I was like, okay, I'll go for a week and I'll be good. So I flew out to Colorado and I remember we had, you know individual therapy, group therapy, all of that stuff. And um, I remember it was a Catholic nun was my therapist. Um, yes, I do. And I, so I went into the therapist therapy session and um, you know, I forget what we were talking about but I remember her response and her response was do you think you have a problem with drinking? And because I went there to talk about my bulimia and she's like, do you think you have a problem with drinking? I knew I did, but I was like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. I'm just here. The bulimia is really bad. It's really bad. So she was one person, one of many who brought it to my attention that I denied at the time. But now in hindsight, she was, she was one that planted um, the seed of a possible solution that there's help out there. Again, what did I do when I went home? Oh my God, I'm good. i got this. Thank you mom so much for sending me to Colorado. This is great. I'm good. Um, So I went back to school and just progressed and progressed so much to the following summer where I had an internship on Capitol Hill and I would show up to work and everybody was dressed in like suits, you know, all these interns, there was like maybe 10 interns and they were dressed like, you know, like suits and dresses and all that stuff. And I just remember there was a line of us in like with computers and we'd all sit in the line and I just remember looking at them and being like, how do they do that? How do they how do they get dressed and come here at eight o'clock in the morning? I don't, I I honestly didn't know how I didn't know how. That was so baffling to me. So what I did with that was I made myself less than in my head. Like I'm an idiot. Oh my God, I can't do this. How can they do that? Who do I ask for help? Where do I go? I don't know. I have no idea. Um so I got up and walked out. I went downstairs, walked under the building. Um, it was at the Raven building. I walked under to the metro and I left and I didn't tell anybody um you know just thinking about you know throw it under the carpet everything's fine i just can't do it and i went back home and um it was a family member who helped me to open the door to that internship he found out that i left he was like becky this is embarrassing i mean i'll get you in there one more time you've got to stay and of course i was like on the outside yeah sure i will stay." just wanted to make him happy whereas on the inside i was dying so what did i do the next day i woke up and i tried to emulate what i saw because So I tried to like put on an outfit that all the other girls were wearing, hung over of course on very little sleep, of course because I was always partying the night before. Um, And I went there and I showed up again and I apologized to the guy that was in charge of the interns. I was there for maybe 30 minutes and I looked down again and I was like, "Mm, I really can't do this. And I walked out again. So I convinced my parents that I should get a waitressing job instead. And you know, everybody was embarrassed. I knew that they were embarrassed in my family. Um, but I tried to make everything better here. I'll do this. Everything's going to be good. Everything's going to be good. Um, and it wasn't, and it got worse. And um, I got myself into a lot of trouble that summer. And so how I got to rehab was um, I was living in a house with about 10 other girls who were also huge partiers, but they knew how to stop and wake up the next day and go to like you know, their teaching internships and all that stuff, which again, so baffling to me. I, su- I, I also brought people home that were like very dangerous that nobody knew and they're like Becky why are you bringing these crazy people home you know where I worked at the restaurant um so like I had no consideration for anybody around me um and eventually uh there was another intervention a huge one um at my uncle's house right outside of BC where I was going to school where my parents came down and I thought they were just going to take me home for the rest of the summer and again everything would be good but my roommate that dropped me off and drove me to my uncle's home where my parents were said, I'm gonna come in, Becky. And I was like, no, 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 you're good. You don't have to come in. And she went in and um, her dad struggled with alcoholism and she blew the whistle on me to my parents, my aunt and my uncle. And she's like, Becky has a problem and it's really, really tough and she needs help. And of course my first response was, well, you drink too. I live with you, you do all of that. Um, But there was also a sense of relief, like, oh my God. I just want, I just want, I just think I could exhale. Um, Like I needed help. I just knew I needed, I was, it was so self-destructive and, you know, so that led me to Florida, to Naples, Florida. The next day I went down to rehab and I was in rehab for three months, um, inpatient and outpatient and uh, ended up living there for two and a half years after rehab. So So, sorry, that was like the scenic route, but that was how I got there. And of course, getting sober so young you have these thoughts of oh my god I was too young I was too young to get sober and I've had those thoughts um you know at certain moments throughout my sobriety journey but now as a mom and as a wife um and with you helping me I you know I I don't know where I would be if I didn't get sober so young because I battled so many I battled multiple addictions so it was not easy nor nor did I put both down at the same time. I've been self-destructing for, you know, with the eating and stuff, which I finally put down. Thanks, thank you, God, which is a huge miracle. Um, I, uh, I wouldn't be here. So when you asked that question about, um, you know, in the beginning about having a relationship with your spouse and your children, they wouldn't, I wouldn't be a mom. I wouldn't be here. I would never have that opportunity. Um, to grow alongside my children and learn things, learn with them, trying to do things differently as I teach them to do things. So
0: I would definitely not be here. And how do you, and how have you done holidays? And because food, you've set down the food, you, you aren't making yourself sick anymore. Thank you, God. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you haven't had a drink in 22 years, mm-hmm. almost 22 years. And when you think back, you're like, you're in this culture today that, Mm -hmm. and we've talked about this before, and that's why I think it's so important to have you on, especially this time of year, you know, it's the moms with the sippy cups and Mm -hmm. with the wine and little kids Mm -hmm. that are saying, mom, can I have a sip of your drink? And no, you can't because it's what's in there. You haven't had to have that.
1: No, I have not. My kids know that mommy drinks
0: coffee and seltzer water. And and they both, like but when you're social, how do you do because uh-huh. so, you do you are social? Your husband's very social. You are very yes. social. Yes. So um, so I can reconnect it
1: with you what, what, like a year and a half ago. Yeah. Probably two years ago. Mm-hmm. So I live in a neighborhood with a lot of young families. And a lot there's a, a lot of the moms connect over like wine o'clock. So and of course they bring their kids there. Um, because all the kids socialize together, but the moms are all there drinking wine. And before I connected with you, I was in a lot of isolation after I had my third baby, a lot of isolation, I lived in my head. I lived according to the story that my head told me. And the story that my head told me was, I don't fit with these moms, so my kids aren't gonna fit. And I adhered to that story as as if it were truth. And so that got really bad. So before I called you um, and my kids, you know, when my kids would go run across the street and all the moms were there and all of the moms, majority of them, you know, they talk about wine, they drink their wine that they, the, the foundation of their conversations is usually, oh my God, I need my wine. Or I guess if I got at the liquor store and that's normal to them and that's okay. But um I would isolate myself. I'd be sitting right next to them and just be in another world. Um, and um, I would be sitting next to them and telling myself constantly, Becky, you don't fit. Oh my God, you're such a loser. You don't drink. And I, but I, that being said, I knew that if I started, they would be dragging me out. Like nobody would wanna be around me. So I knew that to be fact, but I lived by, um, not fitting in, I don't fit is the narrative I told myself. So how I would handle that was I would come home from those social gatherings with my neighbors and the wine o'clock culture and um, feel so terrible about myself, feel so um, less than about myself, overtired because I had you know three kids under the age of three. So what I did was I, I didn't know where to put my emotions because, um, you know, Like I said, after my third baby, I think I you know, really struggled, really isolated myself because it was a lot of a huge adjustment. Um, so that would be taken out on my kids and they didn't do anything wrong. And taken out on them by that, I mean, like I would raise my voice um, because I was not reacting to them. I was reacting to the story that I was telling myself, which was, um, I don't fit, Um But now since I've connected with you and we've been doing the steps and we talk every day and I do my meetings, um, you know, miracles happen. I'm I'm shifting the story in my head Um, and living by the truth, which is I do fit. I'm here for a reason. My kids are here for a reason. And just because I don't drink doesn't mean that my kids aren't gonna be friends with these moms who do drinks children because that was the narrative I told myself so it's debunking that story um, and living by um, living dependent on God so for example um, since you and I started to work together pretty consistently very consistently I noticed that when I am in those social situations now which obviously happen quite frequently I I don't tell myself that story I'm noticing that God keeps planting um, opportunities for me to see that that was never true. They don't think less of me. Um, And I have actually been able to share with certain, you know, some moms in the neighborhood that I am sober and their response is always like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. I know so-and-so who is, I know another person who is. And in sharing that, if the opportunity presents itself to share it, that's when I do, um, I feel free. I feel... um, I feel a part of, and also too, it's, um, in within that freedom, I also, it, again, that feeling that freedom and feeling that, um, authenticity, that gift of being able to be who I am, who God created me to be, which is still quite new to me because I've lived so much of my life th- trying to be what you, you, what I thought you wanted me to be. Like, if you told me that your favorite color was hot pink and it wasn't mine, I would be like, Oh my God, I love hot pink you know, or I'll be like, I'm always like, oh, I agree, I agree, I agree, even if I don't agree. But now I just, I feel a part of, and I'm noticing all of um, the signs that God puts in front of me um, to teach me to depend, to depend more on him, and to be a part of, and to be friendly, and to, even though, you know, they might not be my best friends, I can participate in a conversation, and again, that trickles down to my children, um, because they are happy and free when I'm happy and free you know, and they're able to be joyous with the other kids instead of me thinking they're not going to fit because these moms are all friends and then their, their kids can be friends. So it's a whole um, trickle down effect of just, um, you know, grace and miracles.
0: And tell me this, does anybody, did anybody during those times that you would go to those parties and you didn't tell mm-hmm. them why you weren't drinking you didn't say oh I have a drinking problem would any of them even care no
1: yeah I thought they cared I thought they cared because of course I'm an alcoholic so everything's about me they're all thinking about me they're all talking about me no they're not they're talking about my kids they're talking about my husband they're talking about my I don't know anything I could make up um no nobody cared and they all still say that like you know I live in a very social neighborhood so a lot of there is a lot of drinking and um, yeah, they all just say, oh, Becky doesn't drink. And, and, and another mirror. I did go to a, one of my neighbors, um, her son graduated from high school. And I walked right up, she invited my husband and me to the party, which was very nice. And she's a wonderful person. And I walked up to the driveway, she's like, Becky, you gotta check out this new, um, is it La Croix or Lacroix? I don't know, like seltzer water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I hear people say La Croix and I'm just like, I just want to be, you know, get it spot on there, <laughs> but um, she, she, um, she, you know, walked right up and, you know, obviously there was a lot of drinking walked right up and she showed me this new flavor that she got me. So I feel that there is, um, you know, and she doesn't know that I'm sober, but she's very respectful. Um, so
0: nobody cares. But why does, but our heads think that everybody cares. Like we have this, so many people are like, I don't want anybody to know that I'm not drinking. Or how am I? I do drink too much, and I don't. I mean, obviously, you don't know what it's like to drink too much in these places because you've already put it down a long time ago. Mm -hmm. But so many people that have drinking problems today are like, "How am I going to go to these parties? How am I going to be part of this neighborhood when I Mm -hmm. don't drink?" And Mm -hmm. what would your advice be to them? So
1: I, what you just described—that's how I did feel. I have felt that way. Um, My advice would be. to connect with somebody who is living in a solution and who has been there and done that and who has walked through a similar path of raising young kids, being in these social settings um, and can tell you, um, can teach you, you know, to depend on God, to point out that it's very self-centered because as alcoholics, we're self-centered to the core. Plant those seeds because when you planted those seeds with me, I'm like, oh my God, Elizabeth, right. I am so, I'm making it about myself again. So when I do that, I'm able to recognize it, and pause, and take a breath, and turn to the person next to me who's drinking their wine, and ask questions about them, and engage right. them because, um, you know, everybody's battling something, and so, some oftentimes some of these people open up to me and tell me about their struggles in life, and I leave that social interaction feeling filled, feeling filled up, because I was able to just listen. Sometimes people just want somebody to listen. So, my advice would be to work with somebody um, who is able to share the light and share, you know, all the things that you've shared with me. Um, And always, you know, because when you make that shift, like I said, the biggest thing for me is I feel like every single day now, because obviously I interact with my neighbors all the time at the bus stop, you know, my kids playing outside. I used to have such high anxiety even playing outside because I I lived with that narrative. I don't fit. My kids don't fit. I don't fit. My kids don't fit. So I would my heart would pound, um, and you know my hands would get clammy. But um, I so my point is is I can apply what you taught me to the social interactions with the wine, and also to interacting with these adults um, and their kids even without the wine because in both settings I felt quite anxious. I felt less than and apart from. So my advice would be, or my suggestion that has worked for me um, is to, on a daily basis, work with someone who is living in the solution and who has been there. Um, and also, too, the other biggest thing, which I think I mentioned, is when you feel that anxiety in those settings and you're, um, you, know, you want to pick up a drink to feel included and to not feel so isolated, talk to the person next to you, ask them about their kids, ask them about their holiday plan, ask them how work is, ask them how their family is. That's been the biggest help for me because it takes me out of me. You know, you think it's just always one alcoholic helping another alcoholic, and I think it's more than that. I think it's just helping other humans, and oftentimes that just is listening. You know, and it's not trying to be like, "Oh, great. I've done
0: it's, that." Yeah, it's such, you such great advice. Well, it's yeah. such great advice, and I think that it's like, do you always bring your drink with you too, or do they? Do you yeah. always find that somebody has stuff that you like to drink? You know, everybody has La Croix.
1: everybody does seem to have salt to water um but and if they and if they don't they have bottles of water but I have I'm seeing that a nobody cares if I don't drink nobody cares and as it says in the big book which has taken me time to learn and also I fall back because I'm human but in falling back and knowing the solution I'm able to quickly grab it again So I can be in a social setting with the drinking and feel that feeling of apart from less than, but it's very short lived because I will, you know, I don't just pray in the morning and at night. I always, um, throughout the day, I I, I find myself breathing a lot. And, you know, and especially in the mornings when it's like rush, rush, rush with my kids, I apply the same thing to these social situations, which is, um, oh God, what do I say to myself? And I'm drawing a blank right now. Um, God was within her, she will not fail god was within her she will not fail and i just completely i repeat that to myself and i find that it calms me Um, so in those moments in those social settings where i want to drink to feel included or i'm feeling anxiety because my head which is false evidence appearing real appearing it's not real um, which is my disease when i'm listening to that narrative i take a breath I tell my, I, I, I say, you know, God is within her, God is within her. And then I turn to the person next to me and ask them, oh my God, how, how does Sammy like school? I already switched schools. How's that going for him? I don't, um, that's the biggest help. You Even try outside playing. Yes, yeah, it's a, it's, very, it's a very scary place to live because it's, you know, you always hear these alcoholics who go out and alcoholics who, who never get it and die. And that's the reality of this disease. And for so for some time, I always thought to myself, like, how does that happen? Why do they, you know, um, you know, they go out and you just never see them again. And I know, I know how. And I think I called you not too long ago and said this. Like, mm-hmm. if I didn't, if I wasn't working with you, uh, you know, I would be overtaken by the depression, the mental part of the disease. And I know that's how, and there were times that I thought about you know, I just want this to be done. It's so overpowering sometimes the disease when you're not
0: living in the, in the light.
1: Yeah. If you're not connected to someone else who's walking the same road,
0: you know, and how is it with Phil? That's her husband's Mm -hmm. name. I have to throw his name out there. (laughs) He's adorable by the way. Yeah, And he now he isn't one of us. He drinks like a normal person. He does. Yes. He is not one of us. Um, you might make me cry, but
1: yeah, I just feel that, um, God gave him to me on our first date. Um, so this is going to sound crazy, but you know how people always say, you're going to know, you're going to know when you meet him," And I would be like, "Yeah, right, whatever. Um, but, but then it happens. So we met on match.com, which I know that you're familiar with, this one, but we, so we talked, we talked for like probably two weeks before we met and, um, on our first date. I just, I felt so comfortable with him already from all of the talking that we did. Um, I just said to him, we closed the restaurant down. So we were there for quite a while. And I just said, um, you know, God's first, God's first. And he didn't understand that at the time, but he listened and, um, you know, I told him I was sober. I told him all of that because I knew he wasn't going to go anywhere. I knew it. It was just something that I knew, you know, whereas there were other times I hid it from other people, like from random dates or whatnot um but Phil um Phil no understands now that God's first because that infiltrates into our relationship which in turn infiltrates into raising our kids. Um but I was thinking about Phil when you asked me about those social situations in the neighborhood where people are drinking and um I was thinking about how I always feel so much better when he's there because I know that he um you know, he doesn't have the addict thinking but he just sets me at ease and he reminds me that i am a part of just by looking over him i'm a part of um, i'm not less than i'm his wife i'm, I'm a mom um, so he yeah he's a, a huge support and i just thank god every day that um like he knows this is a priority and when i wasn't connected and i think i shared this with you recently after i had my third baby um He was the one that was like, can you please get a sponsor? Can you please go back, please? And I was like paralyzed at the time, just paralyzed with fear, paralyzed with my head. Because what was happening was I would tell Phil all these stories that my head was telling me, thinking that they were real. And he would be like, Becky, no one's saying that. No one is saying that, Becky. And I'll be like, yes, they are, Phil. They're talking about me. This person's talking about me. You know, and so after some time of hearing that over and over again, I think he was just like, please, you need to ask somebody to help you. And he would start to mention names of people in the program that I was connected to, you know, in the past, cause you know how AA is, yeah. you, you know, some people stay for a long time, other people stay for short chapters. So he would mention some names, but um, yeah, he knows that this is a priority. And like, even when we left your home on Thanksgiving and we were driving back, he's like, I'm just so happy that you're connected again. This is good for us. This is good for us,
0: Becky. And when you're at these parties and he's mm-hmm. having a couple of drinks, which he, t- mm-hmm. and t- does it ever make you get mad at him? Because he so can't? That's,
1: that's a great question. So not, not because he can't. Um, well, actually, yeah. So there were some times when I would be like that in the past, but um, that has shifted. Um, because, and the times that I was married at him, it wasn't about him. It was about me. Mad at myself, not loving myself, again, making myself less than in the moment. And that has shifted um, as I work more and again, um, learn to love myself, which is, you know, I think the overarching umbrella for recovery. Because why do we self destruct and hurt ourselves? Because, you know, sorry to say, but it's like the head is like, I'm a piece of shit. I don't fit. So as I learned, as I accepted my soul and experienced that I am enough. I'm a great, you know, I'm a, I'm a child of God. I don't feel that way anymore. I actually crack up when he, um, he's actually quite funny when he drinks. So I laugh right <laughs> along with him. Um, and he's like, he's, he, he can have one. He can, you know, stop. I just don't understand that. Um, and he has none and, um, you know, he's just like my sister, my brother-in-law, like they just, they all just stop. Um, again, I don't get that, but you know, um, yeah, with Phil, I just think it's, I don't feel that way anymore. The more I learn to um, love Becky for who she is and let Becky be who she is and not who I think you want me to be. And coming (sighs) to terms with the fact that if you don't like me, being okay with that, because I'm a people pleaser. If you don't like me, I'm getting there. I'm not there, but being okay with it.
0: So So you keep saying um, that and you're going to believe it. You know what I mean? It's like fake it till you make it, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So to go back to answering your question, that there was a shift with that. When I hated myself um, and isolated myself, I did, I would yell at them. I would start fights because, you know, just like what I said, what I do, I felt less than at these social interactions before I connected with you. Who else, who felt the effect of screaming and raised voices? My kids. Same thing with Phil. Um, because I was in so much pain thinking that I had to do all these things to fit in thinking not that I was you know less than all the time um they were the recipients of you know they were the recipients of um me listening to the narrative and now have as the narrative shifts they're the recipients of um of love and of patience and again again like as I I said to you in the beginning, I'm learning alongside my kids. So they're toddlers. So when they have tantrums, instead of being like, oh my gosh, you know, we do this like inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale. And um, now they know to do it because, but they don't know I'm doing it for myself as well because, you know, so now that they're, instead of yelling, I'm they're, they're two are recipients of, because they, I do that because I don't want to destroy this peace that I have. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, there's, it's almost like the addiction can be transferred to like, you get a high off of yelling. You get a high off of self-righteous anger. You get a high off of gossiping about the other neighbors. Because when I gossip about the other neighbors with one of them, I feel connected to her. Oh my God, we're connected because we're both gossiping about you know, Sally down the street. And I would engage in that when I felt less than. Now that again, that I'm loving Becky I don't even want to engage in it because it, it gets to the point where it doesn't work anymore. Just like alcohol. It doesn't work anymore. There was a time when I would come in the house and I'd be like, Oh, I just talked to so-and-so about Sally. <laughs> and look, she likes me now because we just gossiped about her. She likes me now, but now I just don't engage. And um, it has become easier because I know it's going to result. I have a disease. And when I feel yucky like that and filled with toxicity from, I don't get the high anymore. The high has gone. The, what happens is I just feel like crap and, um, so I, th- I feel like that's like steps six and seven, huge character defect to gossip, to feel a part of. And I never thought that that would go away, but it's like, I don't, what's important to me is God, my husband and my kids. And if I engage in that, I'm hurting them too. And I'm human. So sometimes I you know, participate, but I, I pretty, it's just like, I'm human. I could fall back into the narrative, but I know the solution now. So I grab it quick, more quickly. So just if I fall into the you know all those defects again because I'm human, I just I, I call you and I tell you I'm like I just I did that and I feel so yucky, um, and I talk about it. So planting that seed with you and sharing that out loud when the when I get into that situation again, I I can tell like it's not worth it, Becky. It's just like the drink. It's not worth it. The drink. It's not play the tape through.
0: Um, and you've talked a lot about getting to that place where you're the, your your authentic self. Mm-hmm. So you're not preppy, right? You're not preppy. No. no, but I went to a
1: preppy, I went to a preppy
0: high school. <laughs> yeah. And you're around a lot, not. and you're around yes. a lot of preppy people. And for so long you wanted you did that. You put that outfit on just, but now you can wear your funky clothes, whatever that may be, you're your patchouli. Yeah. We know we yes. you love patchouli <laughs> yes. and you love yes, the dead. Yes. And um You can do that and still be your authentic self and love yourself. Yes. And isn't it Mm -hmm. interesting that that why do we, and I think there's a lot of people that do that, that's out in the universe that know that, you know what? I don't want to drink. I have a problem with it, but I keep picking up every time because I get in a situation where I don't feel good. Just like Mm -hmm. you described, Mm -hmm. I get there with my kids And the only thing I can do to make myself feel okay is by drinking. But Mm -hmm. I know in my heart that it's not working anymore. Mm -hmm. It's really hard when you're in that place.
1: It is. And also getting to the place um, where you trust God, that he put you there for a reason. Nothing happens in God's world by mistake, nothing. And if you really internalize that, He's putting you in that situation, possibly to depend more on him, you know, rather than yourself and your self will.
0: And what do you think about the people that are listening that are like, God, oh my gosh, they're talking all this God. Oh, it's mm-hmm. cult. It's a God. It's God. It's yeah. God. What do you say to that? What's your advice um, for that person who's like, I don't want God. I don't like God. I've had terrible things happen in my life. How can there even be a God?
1: Yeah so I have felt that way before and in sobriety I have felt that way and again the reason was I would go to these AA meetings I was not picking up a drink but I would leave there and self-destruct and self-destruct with bulimia convincing myself that I was going to die that way this is not something I can put down this is how I manage those feelings those overwhelming feelings that you know I'm a piece of shit but I go to the AA meeting and tell you that you know depend on God or so what I would say to those people is I understand I understand how you feel um I did not wake up one day and just be like God is real God has helped me God continues to help me I would not I did not wake up one day like that it's a it's something it's a coming to that's happened over time especially in the past year and a half so what I would say is I understand and um it doesn't have to be that way that's what I would say And um, I would suggest connecting um, with someone who's living in a way that um, is a way that you wish you could live. You know, like there was a time when like, I didn't, I couldn't even go to my mailbox. I was just so paralyzed by fear. So then I, I know you. And I'm like, well, I'm sure, you know, I see you move with freedom. I listened to your podcast. Your podcast saved me after I had my, my third baby. I would just put all the kids in the car. I had a two-year-old, a one-year-old and a newborn. I was completely overwhelmed. I was completely, and I just, we would just, that's how my kids would sing your song, busy living sober, because that was on in the car. I would just go get a coffee and just drive. And they're like, mommy, where are we going? And I'm like, I just have to listen to this podcast. Cause I'd seriously, seriously going to freaking lose it. I'm going to lose it. So for those people, I, and I understand, and just ask somebody for help. you can call me. you can email call me. I will give you my number. Um, because I, you know, God has us all here, and you have and whoever is feeling this way, you have such a purpose. You really, really do. You might not feel it right now. and again, I understand that as well, but you do. And you deserve to come to. You deserve to come to that realization. Um, and that can only happen with God's help.
0: I love um, that. Now, mm-hmm. what is, and I we're almost at an hour. Can you believe that? It's no way. Are you serious? Are. Yeah, I am. Wow. I'm like crazy. So <laughs> my, um, so you have three little ones. I do, yes. And there's lots of anxiety right now because, huh. you know, you have to make Santa. I mean, there's Santa and then mm-hmm. there's like the elf on the shelf. Oh my then, God. And then there's the <laughs> Christmas, and then there's the decorations, even if you're mm-hmm. Jewish, you know, right now you're in the middle yeah. of Hanukkah, but yep. you have all that is a lot of pressure as a mom, isn't it? it? Is. it and to make sure is, yeah. that they have everything you want to get them. And then, not to mention the inflation that's going on and how expensive mm-hmm. everything is. Mm-hmm. How are you dealing with it, and how do you deal with it?
1: Um, I get overwhelmed by it. I have moments of complete overwhelm because you know, the parents, you're the magic makers, no matter what holiday you're celebrating. My daughter comes home from school and she'll tell me, you know, someone says doing this tradition, can we do that tradition? I'm like, add it to the list. You know, like I, that's what my head tells me, you know, but how I deal with it in that moment. I mean, I felt that way several times today. Um, My daughter wants to bake all these cookies. It's just like, I'm like, where are we going to find the time for that? That's my disease response. My disease response is like, oh my God, what is she, did she know? Like I have to wrap all these presents, blah, blah, blah and a full
0: time job too on top of it i've got a yes yeah. Yeah. yeah i'm like superwoman <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm totally kidding
1: <laughs> i'm totally kidding i just um <laughs>
0: um but you are we all the no, moms I'm, out I'm, there are we are every we single are. mom is Every mm-hmm. single mom is like a superwoman. Like we have the cape, and they try to say men and and I'm not getting political here, but I'm just like w- women. We give birth to babies, okay? So we are yes. way far superior yes. to reality. So I don't, it's you so know, true. But we're super yeah. women, and you know, and sometimes it gets overwhelming.
1: Yeah. So how I deal with it is the same exact way I described to you earlier with the social situations. Um, is I take a breath, I pray. And I just say, God is within her. God is within her. God, I know you're I know you able to help me through this. And the biggest thing for me is like, I get overwhelmed thinking I never have enough time. Oh my God, how am I gonna have the time to do this? Oh my gosh, how am I gonna have the time to do that? And the time, I always, you always have the time. Um, it's just, again, that's another narrative that my head tells me. So I just have to um, remove myself. Like a mommy. like I take a little time out. I just go upstairs. I remove myself from wherever my kids are, um, you know, put them in front of the TV which, you know, um, and this ghost go pr- get quiet for at least like three minutes. And I return get, getting back to that trust. And also acknowledging that not, not all that stuff is possible. Like the elf on the shelf, I threw it on the shelf today. He didn't arrive from the North pole. He didn't bring any gifts like, and that's okay. You know, there wasn't confetti coming out of their pancakes where they woke up this morning saying that the elf arrived. We even forgot his name. We have to rename him. <laughs> you know what I mean? But being okay with that, even if, you know, Jennifer down the street, you know, has like been, the elf like flying from the north pole through her chimney. And my kids think that every elf does that because, you know, Jennifer and her kids have that. It's being okay with the fact that I, that's not my thing. And there's other things that I'm capable with my kids but that's how I deal with it. It's rem- it's again, self-love not pressuring and- myself to do all that
0: and being okay with not. Right. And how, and I, I want, cause this is a big thing. If this is a huge thing I'm going to bring up right now, huge mm-hmm. thing, social mm-hmm. media, social oh. media, Cause that's Mm -hmm. how you probably know that Jennifer down the street because she's put filmed it on Instagram and it makes it look so perfect. And not only is it on Instagram, but it's on Facebook too. And you're like, there goes that goddamn fake (laughs) out coming through everything. And Oh my God, I'm such a loser so because my mm-hmm. elf, we don't even know its name. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just, you know, my husband just
1: threw it on the shelf. He literally did that last night. I felt, don't we have to do something with that? He's like, no guys, there's, yeah. <laughs> and I think you're not supposed to like touch it. My kid's like, throw it in the fire. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right, social media, you do. You have these, you know, to each their own, but you see this thing where everything, it's just a snapshot. It's just a snap, but it's also coming to, coming to recognize that that takes time. Like there was a time when I would, I would beat myself up because Jennifer down the street is doing that. It all, it's all under the same umbrella of, um, you know, waking up, you know, coming to that God is within and learning to love yourself because when you love yourself, you're okay with the fact that Jennifer down the street is doing that and you're happy for her. That is so great that she's able to do that. But you know what? And recognizing there's so many great things I'm able to do for my kids as well. There is. I'm a terrible, terrible baker. My daughter loves to bake. It takes me out of my comfort zone quite frequently. She wants to bake 75 things every <laughs> single day. And I used to be like, would you, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know what I do? I get like the, the um, what is that? The cookie dough stuff, roll it out and she can decorate it herself. I don't do anything fancy. It's just all they want is to be with you that's all they want. is time with you. But again, that all, that doesn't happen overnight. Recognizing that for me, at least it has not. Um, social media has been quite dangerous territory because, because like you just described, you know, them posting this. I, I, what do I do? I go back to the narrative. Oh my God, I'm a piece of crap. Oh my God. I'm, I'm less than, and then recognizing with work, you know, it doesn't just happen um, that, you know, I I'm capable of all these things with God. Um, look at all these times that I, you know, all the wonderful things, all the wonderful moments I've had with my kids.
0: One of the best gifts is that they have a sober mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. that will always be there. And that is Mm -hmm. like, I think if it's the only thing I did right in my life, you know, I, my kids got to have a mom that sometimes she'd be screaming. Sometimes Mm -hmm. she'd be yelling. Sometimes she'd be acting crazy. Like I do but Mm -hmm. I was always sober and I was always there for them and they didn't have to find me in a place which would be really detrimental. I think, I mean, it's Mm -hmm. nothing to be shamed about, but they didn't Mm -hmm. have to go there, you know? And I think that if you have a, if you haven't drank today, I mean, what, isn't that huge? Huge.
1: And I would also say too, going back to what you said about, you know, they had a mom who was crazy, a mom who yelled every, i I, I imagine, you know, we're all human, so we all have faults and it gets overwhelming being a mom and, it, you know, and so we do yell, but when that happens with me, something that i um, practice, I think, cause it makes me feel yucky. Um, but again, I'm human. So I yell and I get frustrated and I get overwhelmed and I get all those feelings that we all get. Um, I apologize to my kids. Mm-hmm. I just say, mommy has really big feelings right now, really big feelings. And um, I'm sorry. That was not okay. That I yelled, and I know that probably scared you. Um, and I'm I'm sorry. That was you know mommy's fault. You know I don't even know how I articulate it, but it's always an apology and recogn- validating that you know it's not okay. So I think and, and in turn, hopefully, teaching them. You know, because a lot of times you'll scream and walk away, and it's like, you know, and I just I can't I can't. Um, that's important to me is to, is to close out those, when that happens with my kids, because I want them to know that it's, you know, we're human. We have the, and we all have big feelings sometimes.
0: We all do. We all do. We all do. Yeah. This was so awesome. I, you have to come back again. I know everybody's going to love you because this has been (laughs) amazing, amazing, amazing. And thank you so much
1: for having me. Thank you. You're like the best interviewer.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yes. It's, you know, it's, I always want to be, they always ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'm like Barbara Walters. So mm-hmm. I'm to, I do it on my little podcast, as you know. And um, so anybody who's out there and listening, please reach out. You can reach out to me at busy at busylivingsober.com sober.com or Elizabeth, at Elizabeth chance.com. And I will forward your message to Becky. And That's I will, cute. so you can really, if you want to talk to her, she will respond to you. I promise. And she'll give you her mm-hmm. phone number. In an email, mm. not on the public forum. It's <laughs> was like, no, we're not giving phone numbers out right now. Yeah. But um, what is your last word of advice to some, a mom or someone out there that's listening and is like, I just, I, I don't want to go through Christmas and wake up Christmas morning hungover. I just don't want to do it. How mm-hmm. do I do this?
1: My advice would be, um, we're not at Christmas yet. We're not there. My advice would be, um, what's today, Tuesday? I know it's hard. I understand. Um, You know, but one day at a time. You know, it sounds so corny. Um, And again, that's another um, like motto or saying that I had to internalize. It it was just taking time. But that's what I would say. Because I do the same thing. I will say, how am I going to... um, get for raising my kids in middle school. I'm so scared. Uh, Look, is everything fine today? Am I sober today? Did I pick up a drink today? Okay. I didn't. So let's go to sleep, say our prayers and wake up and begin again. Mm -hmm. And Christmas will come when it comes.
0: Mm -hmm. You know,
1: that's another thing with my addiction. I live in yesterday or today or tomorrow. So it's a constant practice to return to right now because that's all we have.
0: Yeah, you know, right now. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. tell you, when you're doing the splits and you got one day in yesterday and another day in tomorrow and then you got a blob yes. in between, forget it. It's not good. Yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> exactly. And another thing is like when I'm living in like Christmas and how am I going to make it through, I find that I react more in the moment in a negative way because I'm living in the fear and I'm making a story of oh, I'm going to pick up a drink at Christmas. I'm so scared. How am I going to make it? So I react in that moment because I'm living in the
0: narrative, which is
1: not true. But in this moment, I have truth, which is I'm not picking up a drink.
0: Like, no, definitely you're helping a lot of people tonight, I think.
1: Yes. Yeah. Thanks for yeah. having me. Thanks for
0: being on. Yes. Until- Yay! <laughs> so <laughs> reach out, everybody. And um, I'll be back next week. I, I don't think I'm going to have a guess. We'll see. Maybe I will. Who knows? But uh, Becky, thank you so much for coming on. I love you so much. Mom. I love you too. I, I love, you. love you. I love you. Too. And until next time, keep getting busy. Living. (laughs) So bye. Bye, everybody. Talk to you soon. Love you all. Thanks for following. Bye.